If you'd like to uh, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians in the New Testament, if you don't have we're going to be reading from Philippians chapter 1. The verses will be, will be on the screen as well, but sometimes it's, it, can, it often is helpful to have your, your, your Bible there open to refer to. Uh, the, the wee video we watched there said the, the, the words to do with New Year that this New Year it's about Him. This New Year it's about Him. I think that's a, a good statement to make for any believer in Jesus Christ. Surely, isn't it? This year it's about Him. You could arguably say every year should be about Him. But you know, we have our ups and downs in life, and even as a Christian in life, and uh, it doesn't do any harm whatsoever to reaffirm our faith and say this year it's absolutely 100% about him uh, it used to have a tradition in the church I came from in Kirk and Tillich at the Gospel Hall where a man his name is John Brown and he would always come with a phrase every year and he, he would try and rhyme it with the name of the year so I'm not going to try and do anything fancy like that because I can't come up with anything to be frank <laughs> but he would always focus on the spiritual commitment on the, one of the first Sundays of the new year and challenge the church to trust God this year and to follow him, that it was all about him. And uh, so I'll use that statement there. This year, it's all about him. It always is about him and it always will be about Jesus. It's about our Lord and Saviour. It's about God. He's the number one. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that guides us. He's greater than any other thing. So, New Year brings about uh, sort of illustrations in our mind, things we might think about. We, the very word new just brings about connotations, doesn't it? It's a new year. What's going to happen this new year? What's, what does it hold? Well, as a Christian, there's great joy to ha have in our lives because we've received that new life and the... <clears throat> What we saw earlier on there <clears throat> is a good example of, of new life and I have a sort of illustration on the screens there. We're going to be talking today about signs of spiritual growth. That just like this plant can't grow without God causing it to grow and enabling it to grow. No Christian can grow without God's help. And uh, if you're anything like me and you've been a Christian a few years now, you've maybe tried living the Christian life. You can't have rain without God. That's right. So you need to grow. That's right. That's absolutely right. And, you know, we are totally reliant on God for everything, aren't we? We're reliant on God for absolutely everything, whether it's things that are external or things that would help us within our lives. Yeah? Agreed? And. God, just as he would enable this plant to grow and for there to be new life coming that's, that's positive. Also, as we would enter this new year, it's scriptural to know that God will want each one of us to grow spiritually. Yeah? He wants us to grow spiritually. He wants us to have a new experience of the new life that he has for us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now there's a, there's a qualification in there to say, you know, that 
if we were to use the illustration of the plant and think about it in our own lives, the only way that we're going to have new life like this plant is if we trust in Jesus Christ. There's only one way, the Bible says. You trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. You trust in him as God himself who came to pay the price for our sins on a cross. He died for all the wrong things we've done. And he rose again to new life, conquering the power of sin and death. But we've got to be in Christ to experience this new life. So before I would go on, I would just share that with you. And if you haven't experienced new life in Jesus Christ, you can experience it today, personally. By trusting in him as God, as the Lord and Saviour who died to pay the price for your sins. And it is as simple as saying, forgive me Lord. I trust that that's the truth, that you are the Lord and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then you invite him in uh, to your life as the Lord of your life and he inhabits you by his Holy Spirit. Isn't that an amazing thing? And that is like step, that is step one. That's like the seed being planted in. And then God would apply water to that to enable it to grow, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit of God put into the life of every believer every believer is given that but we need to take the first step so I'm just challenging you with that if you haven't done that before 2012 you can do that today the opportunity is there to receive Jesus but for those of us that have received Jesus there's more it doesn't just stop there at the beginning so let's read Philippians chapter 1 starting in verse 1 Signs of spiritual growth. Verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus and this is my it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel all of you share in God's grace with me God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and the praise of God. Amen. And we pray that God will bless his word to us today. The church of Jesus Christ is a wonderful thing. Paul is writing here to the believers at some church, the church there at Philippi. And he mentions even in the first line about his fellow servant Timothy. <clears throat> and they call themselves servants. 
they were leaders of the church, they were church planters, they were people who were going about um, starting new works for Jesus, new churches, but they regarded themselves as servants. And they were together in the ministry. It wasn't Paul out there on his own. Paul was out there with a team of people whom God had put together to serve him. And who were they a servant of? They were a servant of Jesus Christ. Not a servant of a man or a, a, an organisation, but of a person, the person Jesus Christ, their Lord and Saviour. And he writes to the church. He writes to all the believers. He talks about the overseers, that would be the elders, the leaders of the church, and the deacons, and all the saints. Christians are saints. Isn't that an interesting thought? Remember the TV show The Saint? The wee halo just appeared above his head. Right? And, and the thing was, though, that you kind of don't think of yourself as someone to whom God may regard as a saint. But in Jesus Christ, when he gives us new life, we become a new creation. And we may not be a saint, as in, if you were to ask Nicola, is Graham a saint? Uh, she'd probably say, well, this morning he did this. <laughs> you know. And I think that it's important to have a healthy view of ourselves as well. <laughs> to have a balanced view. But it's also important to know that in Jesus Christ we are new. We are saints in the respect that he has brought us into his kingdom. He has given us new life. In his sight we have become holy, even though we didn't deserve it. He washes our sins away. Remember the Old Testament illustration of the dirty clothes? And then having the clothes removed, and having the pure white clothes put on, which is what it happens with every new believer. Our sins, which are black like my top, I should be wearing white here, get flung away, and they get replaced with the white robes, which represent cleanliness, which represent new life, forgiveness of sins and we are now even called a saint, there you go so we should be encouraged by that as believers in Jesus we are highly thought of by God, and we have a purpose what do saints have? Saints have a purpose to serve God to be who God's called them to be so it's a wonderful thing the church isn't it and that's what we're part of today the church of Jesus Christ is a body of believers and a body is a living thing isn't it it's not something that's dead it's something that has various parts and each part has the life in them there'd be no point in me having various parts to my body here today and bits of them had no life in them I'd be a bit like a kind of hopping about or something if my leg wasn't working but the, the body of Jesus Christ, as it's described as there, is a, is a church where the members of the body would are supposed to have life. Just like this we plant here. There's life, there's, there's health about it. And if it's functioning properly, every part of it's working. From my fingers, to my hand, to my leg, to everything. And if it's all functioning really well, I would call that a healthy church. You know, every church has its problems because... I'm in it, and people are in it, you know, and we are not perfect people. God is working on each one of us. We are growing spiritually day by day. But God is wanting our church to be together as a team, as a body that serves Christ. And he wants the life of God to be consistent and growing and healthy so that all of this body is working together in, in, a, in such a wonderful way as we join together and serve God. I would suggest to you strongly that the church in Philippi would have had many problems with people as, who, who were in the church 
and from things happening outside or against the church. Every church has problems. But there were some very positive signs in this church at Philippi there. There was positive signs of spiritual growth in that fellowship. And these are the things we're going to focus on today. The signs of spiritual growth. I'm going to highlight three things which I I take from this passage that Paul is highlighting. As positive signs in that fellowship of spiritual growth. And I would just like to encourage us to think about that as regards our fellowship as we enter this new year. Firstly, we see these believers were joyful together. They were joyful in partnership. Not necessarily joyful on their own, but they were joyful in partnership. What do we mean by that? Well, the Christian ministry is a partnership. As I said earlier on, Paul wasn't out there as a lone soldier planting churches and doing things. He was there with fellow servants like Timothy and other leaders and he was there joining together with, as he writes, to all of the saints. Paul's making it clear, this is a, this is a ministry, we're in this together. We're in this together, it's a partnership. We work alongside each other as we serve Christ. And what, what was the result of this partnership together? What did it make Paul feel like? What was the blessing that he experienced? Well, he said, well, I thank God. I thank my God every time I remember you. That'd be a nice thing if somebody said that about me. If they said, Graham, I thank my God every time I remember you. Sometimes we don't feel that way about ourselves, but it's wonderful that we have had that fellowship with other believers in this place before and we'll come alongside each other and we'll say, I really appreciate you. Do you know that? I really appreciate you. God's using your life. And yes, we've all got our ups and downs and our feelings, but I can see that you're a blessing to me and I'm very thankful to God for you. That's the type of thankfulness, that warmth that Paul has there. He's thanking God for them every time he thinks about them. Also, he's remembering them again in verse 3. You know, the world that we live in would maybe just encourage us to live as an island. Just suit yourself and mind your own business. But the Church of Jesus Christ isn't like that. The Church of Jesus Christ remembers other people. You know, today we are honestly and heartfeltly remembering Eileen and Alec and our mum. Because we care. Because that's what the Church of Jesus Christ does. We're a body. And if one part is hurting, all of it hurts. All of it hurts. But that's also a strength. Because a body's strong when it works together. A church is strong when everybody works together as servants of Christ. He remembers them. He remembers all about them. He's, they're on his mind all the time. And he goes further than that. Not only does he just remember them, but he prays for them. He prays. He brings them before the Lord. Paul says in verse 4, I always pray with joy. Now joy isn't this kind of feeling where a I really, really like you in a kind of happy way and everything you do I always like and, you know, if Nicola was to say that about me I think I'd be struggling. Uh, We'd need to (laughs) go and see marriage counselling. But, you know, not not everything that everybody does in our lives whether it's family or friends or church makes us happy. And there are things that would sort of irritate us about each other as we would irritate other people. And our happiness can go up and down. Our happiness can change just because we've got a sore stomach one day, to be perfectly honest. We can feel a bit sad because we're not feeling well. But joy is deeper than that. Joy is a heart, it's a deep thing. 
You know, I can honestly say I am joyful about New Beginnings Church. Joyful about it. Absolutely joyful about the people in it. I love them with all my heart. I love them in Christ. I love you all. And the joy that I would have would be similar to the one Paul would have because we can see Christ working together. We can see Christ in each person. We can see the fruit of what God is doing. We can see the love and the compassion folks have for each other. That brings me great joy, regardless of what may be happening in my life, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. There's always a deep-seated joy. It's not always a smile on your face, but it's a smile on the heart. It's a deep confidence, a deep heartfelt joy that's consistent throughout your life. And that's what I would suggest to you The temptation sometimes is in difficult situations when we're not feeling happy is to disengage with the church. It's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do because the church is the thing that looks after us. The church is actually the place that brings us that joy that passes passes the circumstantial problems. Because like the circumstance there, I mentioned earlier on, where people are going through a hard time as, as, as they are, we're sustaining them in prayer. They will know today that God is with them. They will know the feeling of having prayers sent by this church for them. You ever spoken to somebody that says, I just knew the church was praying. I knew that New Beginnings Church was praying for me. Because they felt it. They felt peace come into the circumstance. They knew somebody was praying and they knew people here were praying. So I, I, I want to acknowledge that this church is a praying people. And I have joy about that. That as a genuine praying people. And that people are genuinely looking out for each other. And partnering together as servants of Christ. So again, just to remind ourselves, why is it that Paul experiences this joy within the church? Well, it's because of the partnership that he experiences, is experiencing in the gospel. With all of these people in the church. From the first day when God started it until now. So this was a real partnership and it was in the gospel, remember. Not a partnership in any old thing. It's a partnership in the message of the good news of Jesus Christ that we mentioned earlier on. It's a focused partnership. The church joins together as a body and a common goal. A common message. You don't cha- we don't change the message. It's got to be out there. It's central. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. And because all of this was happening still in Philippi, that was bringing about great joy to Paul. As I said earlier, there would have been problems, there would have been disagreements, there would have been issues in the church, but the central things were right. And that brought Paul great joy. This real partnership that a church has together in the sharing of the gospel is is one of the key spiritual signs of growth. Not only within an individual Christian, but also within a fellowship. Wouldn't you agree? It's a sign of growth and a a fellowship that actually serves well together. A fellowship that works well in service to Christ together. It's a sign of spiritual growth. So the the church was joyful in partnership and it was a sign of their growth together. And they were maturing as believers. And that's a thing we do for our whole lives. And... God would bring us on to maturity through the experiences we have together in our life. Help us to learn lessons. Help us to realise when we went wrong. 
And there's lots of opportunities to serve God together here in Moody'sburn. Lots of opportunities. And I would be praising the Lord for this last year, not only this last year, but the last few years since the beginning of when God started this work here in Moody'sburn. How much, how many good works have happened? I couldn't count them. And well, the, the, that's good. <laughs> the, now, the thing is, this church was sent here by God to reach the local community, to be here as a real expression of Jesus Christ. And we're seeing that happen. We're also seeing people, opportunities to serve each other <clears throat> in this place within these buildings here throughout the week. And it's been happening. And even wider than New Beginnings Church, the Church of Scotland has joined with us. Other, other Christians from other areas and other towns have joined with us in serving the Lord. Isn't that a healthy expression, a sign of spiritual growth? Because let me tell you, that's not happening everywhere. It's not happening everywhere, and I say that with respect to wherever, I'm, wherever you might conjure up an idea when I say that, but it's not. So we need to guard that. That's a quality of Christians serving together. And although we go through these things, these ups and downs, and we're not always happy with everything, the joy should always be there. We should focus on the joy of the fact that it's even happening at all. Would you agree with that? We should be happy that the work is going on. And that in this place, in Middlesbrough, it's actually going and it's a sign of growth and we would pray that it would continue to grow as we work together. So that was the first thing. Secondly, I want to point out that they were confident in God. Uh, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we see here that God began the work. It's only God that can save people. Men can't save people. God saves people. So he began the work. But there's a, there's a few positives about that. We didn't start the work ourselves. God started it. I'm talking individually at this point. If you think about it individually, when God saved you, he did it. He planted Amen. a seed within your life that's going to grow. And that means that he's got a purpose for you. The scripture tells us that God has a good plan for us to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. He didn't plant us to destroy us. He planted us to give us a future. Because he's got things which he wants to do through our, in and through our lives. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So when we get into 2012, we don't need any New Year's resolutions. God has won for us. He knows exactly what are the resolutions and what are the things, the transformations I would call them, he would want to bring about in our life as he brings about new life and new growth and plans that he has for us written down. Isn't that marvellous? Um, the scripture says many are the plans in a man's heart but it's the Lord that directs his steps one of, one of a real lesson of Christian maturity I would believe and I'm speaking from my own life is realising you put your own plans to the side your own ideas to the side and you ask God to direct you because our own plans have problems in them we formulate them <laughs> and God gives us his word to show us where to go we can take our direction from him. That's part of it. You know, not making up my own ideas of what I should do this year, but asking God, what do you say in your word I should do? Oh, you say I should love 
the Lord, the God, your God with all your heart and all your mind and soul and strength. And you also say I should love my neighbour as myself. I guess I should be doing that then. And you say that's the greatest commandments. And then there's a whole lot of other things he would be encouraging us to do. So if we don't read our Bible, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. He's already told us within his word so many things, so many instructions. The plans he would have for us to live. And then, dead encouragingly, he would have a specific place for you. A specific ministry for you. A specific gift or gifts, multiple gifts that he has for you. That he's already planted in you. And he's waiting for us to just obey him and follow him. There is a cooperation we have with God, yeah? We can choose to follow him or we can choose to resist him. I think maybe the plant's a good illustration of that because the plant's not particularly going to fight back, is it? It's, if, I, if I water it and care after it, all being well, this plant will grow. That's an ideal plant. That's an ideal sign of growth. So let's not fight back. And I'm speaking to myself. God will highlight these things. You've been fighting back. You've been working against me by doing X, Y, and Z in your life. Stop doing that. Do what I've told you in my word. And it will enable you, let this plant, to have un- unhindered growth. And be able to grow more effectively. So God began the work. Ephesians 2 verse 10 is encouraging for every Christian. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. As I said earlier on, we've even seen that in Moody'sburn. We've seen it in this mission. God's prepared in advance for people to do things which would glorify him. Which would share the gospel. And we've seen that. And individually there's more for each one of us this year. There's more. doesn't matter what age we are. doesn't matter how we're feeling. God has more for us to do. And it's good works. It's things that's going to make a difference. It's things that's going to reach people. It's things that's going to help us and help others. And he's prepared them in advance for us to do. We've just got to cooperate. And put our plans to the side and say, God, you lead me by your word. And in your will. So that's encouraging. All the plans are in place. We just have to follow them. But God also sustains what he puts in us. We mentioned the plant being watered. God would supply, the scripture says, the Lord supplies all that we would ever need in Christ Jesus. We have all that we would ever need. We mentioned earlier on the supply of the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the living water when Jesus described that same spirit. And when we receive Jesus as our Saviour, we've received living water, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, within our lives. And there's a well of supply there to help us to grow and be the new creation God has actually made us already to be and he wants it to be outworked on the surface of things <clears throat> but that's, a, that's an encouragement because sometimes we feel we get into a new year and we say Lord I, I couldn't manage last year I just didn't make it I tried hard and I couldn't make it well that's an encouraging thing because it's not up to us in our strength to do anything as I mentioned in my own life er- earlier on there that One of the lessons in life, I think, as a Christian is to put your own plans to the side. It's also another thing to put your own strength 
to the side. Your own ability, your own nat- I'm talking about your natural ability. Um, I remember once I was serving God in a particular area, and God, I wasn't coping, and God sort of spoke to me saying, "Lay that thing down because you're doing it in your own strength. Stop it." And He asked me to put it down, and I came out of what I was doing because I wasn't spiritually coping. I wasn't living in God's power in the situation. I was just using my natural gift, and I was going downhill fast. I put it down and then a good few months later God said now pick it back up again but during the few months he had been teaching me to listen to him to realise that I can't do anything in my own strength to realise that although I might have natural ability and skill in that area that I was using that on its own that's nothing I could naturally be able to play that piano up to I'm nowhere near as good as I used to be trained to be but you know I could be to the best of my ability trained but if God wasn't in it, it's meaningless. If that doesn't get added to it, it's something spiritual. And God empowers it, it means nothing. It's just a natural skill. It's a, it's a good skill, but it's just a natural skill. What I would suggest to you is that you have things within you, same as I would have things within me, that God has put there. He's designed it in you, qualities you have, abilities you have, that he's planted in your life. But sometimes we just plow in and use them ourselves in our own strength and we get nowhere fast. But then the, the wonderful experience, it's a hard experience, but we have to experience failure and the fact that that doesn't work. And then we put it down and we say, right God, now, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to only be able to do it if you empower me to do it. Only if you empower me to do it. So don't be discouraged if any of us have failed in a certain area. If we've used abilities, even gifts that God's given us, and if we've experienced terrible failure, that's not the end of it. Remember Moses? He failed quite dramatically. But God taught him in a time in the, out, in the, out in the wilderness to trust him again and to follow his leading. And see, when you think about that staff, think about the fact that the staff representing the power of God that only he could give, being on the ground. And Moses saying, I can't do this, Lord. You're calling me to do this, but I've failed. I did all these things in the past when I tried to follow you. And God says, no, you didn't do it the right way. When you did it the last time, you did it yourself. You thought, I'm going to sort the problem out myself and I'm going to do this in my own strength. That's wrong. That leads to disaster. The, the, the way to do this is to realise you don't have the strength. And what did Moses say? I can't speak, Lord. He had an excuse. God says, go and speak to someone. He said, I can't speak. But God wanted him to do it, and God wants us to do specific things. And we may have failed in the past to try and achieve those things. Remember Moses, the first time, he tried to act to defend his people and to get them out of the slavery situation, but I would suggest he did it himself the wrong way. It was in his heart, and it was a good thing to try and do, but he obliterated the people in doing it. So just because we've got the right thing in our mind and we think it's right, it doesn't mean it's right. Because unless God is empowering us to do it, unless we're fully trusting on him, it's not spiritual. You know, there's a lot of people say we do Christian work. A lot of organisations and churches would say we do Christian work. But is it Christian work if it isn't really spiritual? If God isn't really empowering it? If people are just doing things by their own strength? And I'm speaking from my own. I'm not judging anyone else. I'm speaking from my own experience of doing Christian work in my own strength and getting nowhere. 
and not fully trusting God. But the wonderful thing is, Moses has said, right, okay, that thing you had in your heart, that thing that you always wanted to do, free your people. I'm going to let, I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to empower you to do it. And it's represented in that staff right there. And you lift it up, and that will dem- I will demonstrate my power through you. And miracles are going to happen. And as you'll remember, every time Moses used that staff, <laughs> he was no doubt amazed himself every time something happened. That's a spiritual man. Or a spiritual woman. A spiritual man or a spiritual woman is someone who's we've learned that we can't do things in our own strength, even be a Christian and do Christian work. That we are, we do fail when we try things like that. And Moses learned he was a servant. He learned that in himself he had nothing to give. But he learned that God wanted him to be like that. That was him growing spiritually to a place where God could actually use him more powerfully. So he lifted up the staff. And not only that, he gave him a partner. Aaron. To help him. Paul and Timothy. Moses and Aaron. God doesn't leave us on our own. And he says, what am I going to say when I go and speak to this Pharaoh, this mighty man? God says, tell him I am sent you. That's all you need. I am. God's saying, I'm with you Moses. That's all you need. If my power is with you, if my strength is in what you're doing, nothing else matters. And by the way, see for that thing you mentioned that you're a bit weak on, I'm giving you a fellow worker (laughs) to help you. I still want you to do it, but I'm... I'm bringing you a partner in the, gospel, in the good news in the foreshadow of what was to come in the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And that was when the miracles happened when there was a maturity <clears throat> within the life of a believer following God. So as Christians <clears throat> it's the Holy Spirit God's Holy Spirit would be represented in that staff as we lay down our natural abilities. We lay down our natural um, talents and such like. But we say to God, I know I can't do this. But I'm asking you to empower me. I'm asking you to give me the gifts you would want me to have. To give me the power to use them right. To lead me every step of my life and help me to be a servant. That's a brilliant place to be, so don't feel bad if, like me, you've been through a circumstance where you feel that you've done Christian work even, and you failed at it. Because actually, almost every person that God's ever used in scriptures, Old and New Testament, were people who failed quite dramatically in service to God. Paul himself thought he was serving God by persecuting the church and killing people. And he regretted that badly. But God took that man, and he changed him, and he empowered him to do something wonderful and that's the same we sometimes don't see ourselves like you know these people in scriptures but God has this for everybody all of us today so he began the work and it's only God that can make it grow can't do it by our own strength in the letter to the church in Corinth Paul highlighted this exact point uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5 the church was basically looking to leaders and saying that this Apollos and this Paul are the people that are making this church work and are the people that's causing the growth and what what that tended to do is cause people to follow a man instead of following God and that's never a good idea 
That's never the way God wants it to be. Remember that Paul described himself as a servant. The reason he's describing himself as a servant is because Christ is head of the church, always. And any time it gets to a situation where in a church we follow a man, or a woman, or anyone, other than God ultimately, if we're not submissive to him, then that's wrong. So they were getting all divisive about who they were following. And he says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted a seed, says uh, Paul. Apollos came and ministered and watered it, preached God's word, helped teach the people the scriptures. Paul gave them the gospel. Apollos came and opened up the scriptures and taught skillfully, as we heard about Apollos in the New Testament. But he says, but God made it grow. God made it grow. And in the church there in Corinth, the danger would be that they would stop growing spiritually because they were too focused on other things, including their own leaders, and following them. Because it's not about them. It's about Christ. And acknowledging that anything that ever ever happens here in Moody'sburn, ever, in the name of Jesus, that happens, it's good, will have not happened because of a man or a woman. It will have happened because of God who causes everything to grow. And I would also say a sign of spiritual maturity in any believer would be to always be like that as well. Like Paul is. Don't don't thank me. Thank God. I'm just a servant. Not putting yourself down, but having a proper view of yourself that ultimately no individual brings about this spiritual growth and these miracles. It's it's God that does it. The point of our service to God isn't to bring the attention to ourselves or the glory to ourselves. It's about bringing the attention and the glory to God. And in order to do that we need to recognise that it's only him that made anything grow in the first place. This church is called New Beginnings Church. New beginnings have happened and are continuing to happen in the lives of individuals and in this community. God sent servants, which includes you, to plant seeds, to water it, to teach, to get alongside, to pray for. But we just remember this year that God makes it grow. He gets all of the glory. And as we keep our focus squarely on him, and we're confident in him, not ourselves, confident in him, the church will grow. We'll grow as a body of believers as we keep our attention and our confidence 100% in him. Yeah? Corinth started getting distracted by issues in the church. Putting leaders on a pedestal, one view against another or one person against another. But Paul made it clear that even the leaders of the church are servants to God. They follow him. Servants are submissive to Christ, to his word the word of God and to the will of God and the plan of God so we can be confident just like they were in God also I just want to notice there that God promises to bring his work to completion verse 6 it says there I've been confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus 
as I said earlier on, often in life we can just rely on our natural abilities and that can lead us on a downhill track. Because we make mistakes, we don't keep our promises, we have good intentions and we don't always follow through and carry through exactly what we're going to do. But that's not the way with God. When God said he began a good work in you and he will bring it on to completion, it's a promise. It's a promise that we need to hold on to. God always keeps his promises. God doesn't change his mind about us. He doesn't change his plans for us. Our response should be to focus on him, to be confident in him, and trust that he will complete the work that he started in us. So I just really want to say to all of us, uh, including myself in this, let's be very, very confident in God and that he's got a good plan. He's got your name written down, plan written down. Be confident in him individually, together, that God's working everything together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And he keeps his promises. He's not going to change that. So the signs of spiritual growth, we saw firstly they were joyful in partnership and God's work together. Secondly, they were confident in God and focused on him. And thirdly, and importantly, they were united in love and in prayer. They were united in love, first of all. Being in the church together isn't just a surface experience. It's, It's not just something that you say hi and put a smile on your face when you say hello to somebody in church and behind their back don't like them and don't have any love for them at all it's meant to be deeper than that in church the love of God is greater than we can ever ask or imagine and he's put that love shown that love to us and put it in our lives and he's asked us to have that love commanded us, not asked us, commanded us to have that love for each other So church isn't a surface experience when it comes to being united in love. It's something that goes into the heart. It's something that's deep. And it's got to be real. It can't just be say one thing and do another thing. Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about you. Notice Paul didn't say, I feel this way about some of you in the church, but some of you just can't stand didn't say that and it would be wrong of us to have a kind of rosy view of that church there would have been things Paul would have disagreed with in the lives of people and maybe would have had to tackle in some of these letters but it didn't affect his love love is deeper than that, love is greater than that, love is the foundation God's love knows no bounds and when it's genuinely expressed within the life of a believer it goes beyond you know the scripture says love covers a multitude of sins We hurt each other in churches, but love covers us when we genuinely love each other in Christ Jesus. It gets over all of these things, it covers these things, it sorts these things out, it helps us even to grow through these experiences together. So just a wee challenge to all of us, just to make sure it's all of you. We may not like everything about everyone, but we're called to love each other. Just the same way as the unconditional love of the Lord Jesus to us. God's love is consistent, isn't it? Consistent. He would love me in the same way as he would love Kathy or anyone else in here. His love is perfect. 
but it's perfect to everybody <clears throat> to who we come to him it's consistent across every individual person in the church he doesn't love Lorena more than SP they love each other that's good <laughs> but you know his love is consistent it's level it's level ground we're all loved the same <clears throat> and we have to follow that example and not make differences between people whom we naturally don't like or there's things that uh, have clashed we're called to be consistent and it's possible to be consistent because it's God's love within us that's helping us to do that and I'm overjoyed within this place to see so many examples of God's love people working together working together how many days of the week can people work together in one year I would suggest people are working together a lot in Moody'sburn <laughs> and there's been a lot of love shown a lot of genuine care an arm around somebody who's hurting a lot of Christians joining together day by day by day really joining together I've experienced some things in church where you would have a face value hello and goodbye if that with some people uh, but I praise the Lord that in this place we would go deeper than that we would share our experiences we would join together we would show love in a practical way to each other <clears throat> Jesus gave a command to all his disciples he said a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another so as we join together in our faith we've talked about partnership in the gospel we've talked about being confident in God you can have those two things down but you might not have this one down being united in love and Jesus says if you fall down on that particular issue if you don't really have a genuine love for each other all of the people <clears throat> then you're not the church you're not the real church of Jesus Christ because Jesus said this is not only how each one of you will know that you're my disciples but also that everybody will know so that Moody's Burn would know so that whatever town we care to mention would know our place of work would know that you're my disciples if we actually show that love and fellowship for each other so again I need to be positive and I'm positive about it I'm praising the Lord for all of the positive acts of love shown in this place because we're just thinking about God's goodness to, to us here as a fellowship in this town <clears throat> working together with people from other places other churches, other Christians <clears throat> united in love Paul uses some words in there that we don't often use like the word affection in verse 8 I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I think especially us men, especially Scottish men, we're not that good at saying words like affection uh, or, or expressing things like that. But Paul wasn't afraid to use kind of deep heartfelt words like I really am affectionately bothered about you. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. <clears throat> so Paul's showing there a genuine love that we should, I'm just suggesting we should follow that and really have that and say that to one another and encourage one another with these words. <clears throat> And not only, it's not a one-way thing, the people are genuinely concerned for Paul as well in his situation because he says, for whether I am in chains or defending uh, and confirming the gospel, you share in God's grace with me. So one of, the, one of the best qualities we can have in a church is that whatever happens to each other, each person individually, whether good or bad circumstances, that we stand together in Christ. We stand together in Christ. 
the believers in the church there were united in love but they were also united in prayer Paul had such a love for the believers that it drove him to keep on praying for them prayer is one of the most important ways in which we can really really support each other spiritually because we're bringing people to God calling out to them in prayer and that's when God works miracles and I can also reflect in new beginnings has been a prayer filled place a place where people pray if you ask someone to pray you don't need to ask twice they will genuinely pray and they'll keep praying and pray specifically believing God that's a good quality that's a sign of spiritual growth so let's just close uh, this message today just I think Paul's prayer for the church in Philippi would be a brilliant prayer to pray over Middlesbrough and over New Beginnings Church for this year he says this and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God so Paul prays of highest importance there that their love would grow their love would abound that's what that means, grow more of it, more of it showing it more and more they'd understand more about God's love and in understanding it they'd be able to share more of it so there's always room in my life and in all of our lives for spiritual growth more things to discover more things to uh, mature in and there is a result of following God's instructions and, and serving him and that our lives it says they are our lives as he wants them to be our pure and blameless lives until Jesus comes back so just in closing this can only happen if we're submitting to God and his will for our lives understanding that just like God would absolutely be able to make this plant grow and would have a, a wonderful miracle he can make to that to make it grow that he has a wonderful plan for each one of our lives if we would just let him work in us so the signs of spiritual growth there in the church in Philippi and should be in any church of Jesus Christ was that they were joyful in partnership together in God's work together they are confident in God and in his ability to not only start the work but to finish it, bring it to completion and they were united together in God's love and in prayer these are the signs of spiritual growth in the church, let's pray